This is a GRDC podcast. There are big changes afoot in the north of the western region wheat belt where growers are trying to maximise stubble and trash cover on sandplain paddocks. Hello, I'm Chris Brown. This podcast is one in a limited series of podcasts looking at how farmers are managing stubble across the western region, brought to you by GRDC and the Western Australian No-Tillage Farmers Association. Growers in that northern sandplain part of the wheat belt are well used to wind erosion and patchy seasons, and many find ways to reduce erosion and soil moisture loss with innovative sowing configurations and retained stubble. In May 2020, however, farmers east of Geraldton were hit with what can only be described as a super windstorm, lasting eight hours and shifting countless tonnes of sandy soil. Craig Topham from Agrarian Management says it was a serious blow that really focused the minds of growers. I think it was about the 23rd of May we had a, um, it was a cut-off flow, ex-tropical cyclone came down from the northwest, um, hit the northern wheat belt of WA. I think we had eight hours of sustained winds with average wind above 80 kilometres an hour and quite a lot of that was above 100 k's an hour. Winds from the north to northwest for a sustained period like that causes a huge amount of erosion. So anything that was likely prone to erosion suffered a huge amount of damage, uh, more than we've seen for, for many, many years. Uh, it's just the length of time of that sustained wind that made it so damaging. So it's not the sort of wind you get every year or so. It was quite rare, was it? That sustained strength for that long, eight hours consistently above uh, 80 k's an hour, with much of 100, that's uh, wind. It's a windy city. We're, we're used to wind in the northern wheat belt of WA. Trees bend over because the wind is that consistent during the summer months. But to get that sort of wind in May, June is quite unusual. We always get some wind before the first major opening rain of the year. And those winds generally come from the northeast through to the northwest. We used to wind, but it's not to the level that we saw in the 2020 season. Now, you said that some people experienced quite severe damage. What sort of damage was most common? From really wind erosion in the field through to structural damage, quite a lot of sheds lost their roofs, a lot of sheds and silos were blown away. Also, just severe soil erosion, the soil that was slightly disturbed or bare without cover moved. And uh, there was a lot of examples of wind damage, blowing sand over fence lines, burying fences, burying roadways, that sort of thing. So a lot of soil movement, lighter sands, and of course the Geraldton region is renowned for its sandplain farming soil types, so anything left a bit exposed suffered significant wind erosion. How did the paddocks that had a stubble cover cope? With any uh, severe event like this, there's always a lot of learning we can gain out of it, and the classic learning from this was stubble cover and standing stubble significantly reduced that erosion, even to the point that the orientation of workings, anything that had been worked 90 degrees to the prevailing wind, so more of an east-west direction, had significantly less erosion than anything that was worked north-south. Remember, this wind event came on the 23rd of May, so a large proportion of the crop was in the ground. Of course, it hadn't rained, so it was uh, all dry sown. So the bulk of the crop had been dry sown, but there was some disturbance from the sowing operations. The machinery and seeding systems 
leave much stubble standing as possible, obviously had far less erosion. And then the simple things like height of the stubble, orientation of the working, the amount of disturbance that the seeding machinery produces all had significant effects on reducing the amount of soil that moved. And of course, with that much soil moving around, we put out a lot of pre-emergent herbicides. So there was a lot of crop damage due to herbicide moving into the furrow. So it's, it all compounds very, very quickly when soil starts moving. Were there some growers who were caught out because they'd done some soil amelioration work? Uh, of course, uh, soil amelioration is always risky and even more risky on lighter sandplain soil types. So unfortunately, it's one of those risks we have to take. The yield increases from soil amelioration are, are significant and we have to capture them. One of the downsides is the risk to erosion. But in saying that, there is still a lot of small things that we can do to reduce risk and the effects of that risk. That's how you leave the soil after the amelioration process, how much stubble was there before you implement a soil amelioration process. All these things have a big bearing on the amount of damage that is caused one of these severe weather events does hit that paddock before the opening rain. Can we just enlarge on some of those points that you made there in the sorts of conditions that growers should look at before undertaking that work? The timing of that amelioration process where you implement it in the rotation I think is, uh, is critical. The more stubble that you've got on the ground, the more ground cover we can have before we implement a amelioration process. Now, uh, some of these soil amelioration techniques we're talking about here are uh, uh, deep ripping, then we've also got spading, we've got more ball ploughing, we've got one-way plough, the plaza plough type operation. So all of the techniques involve significant soil disturbance. So having multiple cereal stubbles and the taller they were left to harvest the year before, the better. So the more stubble and the taller that stubble above the ground before we implement one of these practices, the better. And obviously the less erosion caused afterwards. So a lot of people are looking at changing their rotation. So might have a wheat followed by barley or a double wheat crop prior to implementing that amelioration. And now you look at 2020, um, we were just coming off the back of the 2019 season, which was a very, very severe drought affected crop. So very, very light stubble cover. It was a you know, one rainfall in 19, very poor yields, very poor stubble cover. So we were going in with poor or low soil cover before those amelioration processes were implemented. Yeah, it's the old cliche, almost a perfect storm, wasn't it? It was. Um, it was. Is there any point in time when growers shouldn't be starting a deep ripping process? I think there is, if the soil is very bare, obviously it's more risky. But in saying that, the responses to deep ripping are significant on our sandplain soils. So we have to have ripping in the rotation somewhere but we have to be slightly flexible to avoid ripping techniques that have very poor stubble cover. Let's move to the stubble systems that you have in place there in the north. How do you manage your stubble there? What height do you cut it? What sort of tonnages are you looking for if there's such a thing as a normal season? We're trying to get as much stubble cover as we can. Now Sounds simple, but you get seasons like 2019, very, very poor winter rainfall and very poor stubble cover. It becomes out of our control. But in saying that, traditional practice was harvesting at sort of beer can height was the old old saying. But we could get our machines through the stubble the following year, get herbicides onto the ground, and all those other practices. But now with the 
increasing amount of soil amelioration and deep ripping that we need to implement, we're re-looking at that whole stubble cover. And I think now we're, we're trying to lift up where possible and leave the, or cut the stubble as tall as possible at harvest time. But we've got all the stubble, shading the soil, reducing the wind on the soil surface. We've got a moisture conservation benefits from doing that, but also the wind erosion. But of course, the higher we cut the stubble, the more trouble we have with handling that stubble in the following season. So therefore, we're now looking at machinery configuration. How do we adjust our machines to handle a greater amount of stubble or trash on the soil surface at seeding time? And there's a lot of people looking at seeding systems, wider row spacings, all sorts of modifications to increase the trash handling ability of our machinery. And with the trash handling also comes increased trash on the soil surface. We then also have to look closely at the herbicide techniques we implement. More stubble cover, less of the pre-emergent herbicide hits the ground. So there's other implications we need to need to be considering there as well. Yeah, it sounds like a complete rethink, doesn't it? Have growers progressed along this path or are they still sort of thinking about it? It's a major cultural change in the way we, we look at the whole system. It's a whole farming system. It's not one technique. Once you sort of implement this whole trash handling, soil conservation type of view on your uh, management practices, we look at all the different implications. It all comes back keeping as much cover on the soil as long as possible in all stages of the rotation. So we need to change our way we look at herbicides, way we look at our, our tillage, way we set our machinery up to handle that ash on the soil surface, whole cultural shift in the way we implement our farming practices. And of course, it's not just erosion, wind erosion that you're looking at there. There are other reasons for this. I think one of the major advantages is increased water use efficiency. The taller the stubble is standing above the soil, less wind hitting the soil surface and less sunlight hitting the soil surface and that reduces the evaporation so we can retain more of the summer rainfall more moisture closer to the surface of the soil now in the, the northern region of wa well you can see whole wet bed of wa i'll see our rainfall patterns are changing so we tend to be getting less rain in that may june period more summer rain and less heavy rainfall events so our rainfall events coming through tend to be lighter and further apart than anything we can do to retain moisture close to the surface is going to help with establishing crops on rainfall events. And if we can get a crop out of the ground two, three weeks earlier uh, on a small rainfall event because of the way we've managed our soil, that can be a substantial yield increase. So these are the techniques we have to be embedding into our system. Is anyone looking at using stripper fronts up there? Look, Chris, I think the stripper fronts and the whole strip and disc farming system is widely talked about. All the field days in the last 12 months around the Northern Ag region of WA, one of the hot topics has been how do we get stripper fronts into our farming system. We may not be as advanced as some of our counterparts in the east of Australia, but I think it's one of the things that will be brought into the system over the next three to five years. Again, it's a whole systems approach, not just a stripper front, not just a disc machine. How do we implement them all together? Yeah, it's fascinating, Craig, uh, hearing you talk about how the climate is changing and how farmers are adapting to that. Are they keeping up with the climate in terms of looking to the future rather than looking to what's happened in the past and changing their practices in retrospect, or are they trying to get ahead of it? 
Well, Chris, I think that's the whole change we're seeing is that we're accepting that the climate is changing. We've seen the effects over the last sort of five years of extremely variable rainfall events. So to take advantage of that learning, we've got to change our system to adapt the rainfall patterns we're now seeing and a distinct increase in summer rainfall and decrease in that May-June crop establishment rainfall event. So like I said before, anything we can do to keep moisture close to the surface has to be implemented into our system. And the biggest part of that is keeping a mulch stubble cover on the soil. The taller that that stubble is above the soil surface, less wind hitting the soil surface conserves more moisture. So that's where the stripper front comes in. Obviously stripper fronts, we're taking the heads off, we're leaving the stubble as tall as we can, and we need to then implement a seeding system that can handle that all standing stubble. It's the interest in bringing seeders into our operation. There's a number in the region at the moment, quite a few more will be trialling them in the 2021 season. And I think, uh, you know, like I said before, within five years, they'll be commonplace. Just as a matter of interest, Craig, are there any growers up in the north there that don't conserve stubble? Less and less, Chris. There's always some people that are a bit more hesitant to change. You see there's less and less livestock on sand plain soils now, but there are still a few. Obviously, they cop a lot more erosion. They slowly change. The amount of people that are prepared to see a paddock blow is diminishing rapidly. Uh, it's becoming socially unacceptable to have erosion. Where 20 years ago, uh, when I first started practicing agronomy in the in the Jordan region, May, June, in front windstorms, it was quite common to see soil blown across roads and local shires have to get the grader out to um, grade the sand off a road. Nowadays, that is just not, not accepted. And the social pushback on that is quite significant. So farmers have changed their attitude in a big way to accepting that type of thing. Craig Topham there. Craig is from Agrarian Management. Now, look for other podcasts in this limited series on stubble management in the Western region. We speak to some leading growers like James Haggerton from Cochinup about how they fit stubble into their systems. Our farm, like our internal operating efficiency numbers financially, they are improving. Our water use efficiency numbers especially, we're just getting blown away each year by how much better we're getting it turning water into output. Also hear from Bill Crabtree. We had a dry period in the early 70s and a dry period in the early 80s and farmers said we've just got to learn how to stop this erosion. They wanted to grow more crops because the price of crop were good and the price for sheep was poor in the late 80s. So we just worked out we just must keep residue. How are we going to do it? This limited series of podcasts is brought to you by GRDC and the West Australian No Tillage Farmers Association. My name is Chris Brown.